You're listening to episode 17 of the Curiosity Club podcast. Welcome to the Curiosity Club podcast, a safe place to get your weekly dose of life lessons, helping you let go of fear, overwhelm and insecurities. I'm your host, Katri Barrett, and with each episode, I share my insights and practical skills for you to unlock your full potential. Live and work confidently. Be courageous. Be curious. Because life's too short to keep holding yourself back. Welcome back, wonderful people. If you are new to the club, then let me introduce myself. I am Katri Barrett, a transformational mentor, and I started the Curiosity Club to empower you to be free from the limitations of stress, burnout, overwhelm, and low confidence, and to show you how you can create harmony between your mind and body. My intention is that by sharing my knowledge and the stories and life lessons of all of my inspiring guests, that together we can reignite your inner power to feel confident, joy, and ultimately discover your limitless life. If you haven't done so already, then be sure to subscribe and review on whichever app you're listening on and do spread the word and share the podcast with any of your friends who you think it would also resonate with. You've got a solo episode with me today, lucky you, <laughs> but next, next week I will be joined by another special guest on the Curiosity Couch, someone I am very excited about, but you will have to wait and see who. I will leave all the links as always to contact me and more details about my Curiosity coaching program in the show notes, and you can find me over on Instagram at Katri Barrett, or find out more about what I do on my website, www katrybarrett.com. Yes, it is currently Mental Health Awareness Week, which is a campaign run by the Mental Health Foundation and one that I am a huge supporter of. Over the over recent years, the top conversation around mental health has really progressed and there's a lot more going on, but there's still so much more to do. And this year, the theme is body image. And this is something that I have massively struggled with in the past, obsessing over the way I looked, how much I weighed, and which led to me having an eating disorder for many years. As you know, the Curiosity Club is all about building awareness and sharing knowledge. And this topic in particular is one that is very close to my heart. So I thought I'd share a little bit more of my story with you today, how I got to where I am, what led me to becoming a yoga teacher and then a life coach so that I can help other people overcome the hurdle and the challenges that I did and find the freedom to live ignited by your inner power and free of limitations. I'm going to be sharing my journey of how I overcame anxiety, depression and eating disorders and why I am a big supporter of the body neutrality movement. I'm going to be talking about some sensitive subjects today and while I am a certified life coach, uh, I am not a therapist and everything I'm sharing with you is based on my personal experience and things I've learned along the way. I'm a big believer in the power of storytelling and my hope is that anyone listening who is going through something similar themselves or know someone that is will find comfort in knowing that they are not alone and that my methods of overcoming the challenges and hurdles that I have done will perhaps be that light at the end of the tunnel that you or your friend or your family member needs. 
So let's begin. Once upon a time, there was a young girl who grew up in a beautiful village in Buckinghamshire with her two sisters and parents. Now looking back from where I am now, I can see that I had an idyllic childhood. My parents had a small farm, which meant we got to play on hay bales all day and have a constant stream of baby animals to bottle feed in our house. I'm talking baby lambs, we were hatching chicks, we had chickens, we had geese, sheep running around the house. It was really great looking back at it. And nothing major happened in my childhood other than a few times I was quite ill but no massive traumas of kind of no that my parents didn't get divorced nothing that would give obvious causes for my later issues i can see now in the wonderful light of hindsight that i was always an anxious child it was just naturally what i was like not that anyone would have said so because i didn't outwardly show obvious signs of this but i was always a warrior Like whenever I would stay at a friend's house for a sleepover, I would get these chest pains and become breathless. And I remember I used to say I needed to go outside. Now I can realise that these were panic attacks and they didn't get labelled as such at the time. And I think that was a good thing. I think that would have only made them worse back then. And there was also a period when I was about 11 where I developed this massive fear of wetting myself. Something that at that age feels like the ultimate humiliation. And I became obsessed with needing to know that wherever we were going as a family, wherever I was going, there was a toilet. Now this for my parents was really challenging, especially I remember a long family holiday where we went to South Africa. My parents had spent years planning this trip. It was really kind of big deal and they'd worked a lot to be able to take us all there. And I spent the whole time obsessing with needing to know there was a toilet. And obviously we were doing things like safari and in South Africa, long drives, they couldn't know whether there was a toilet. But, and, you know, given their due, they (laughs) tried to appease me and I think lied to me a lot and told me there was toilets and I would freak out and have meltdowns when there wasn't and things like that. But I had become obsessed with it. And it's those little things that looking back, I can see now were because I was quite anxious. But overall, primary school was a happy time for me. I had lots of friends, but like most women, this was when my body issues started. I had incredibly, I had incredibly goofy teeth. I mean, when I finally got braces, they had to move my entire bottom jaw forward because the top ones stuck out so much. They get that kind of goofy. And that was the second best option after my orthodontist had recommended a head brace, which obviously at 11 years old, I flat out refused. I also wore glasses, so of course I was teased for being goofy, I was called rabbit tooth, buck tooth, four eyes, and I began to feel insecure about the way I looked and comparing myself to my girlfriends and friends around me. But overall I was happy, I enjoyed day-to-day life and I was doing well at school. It was when I was 13 that everything changed for me. A pinnacle point in my life was when I contracted meningococcal septicemia. And in more simple terms, that is meningitis. I was put into an induced coma and on life support whilst my family was told to prepare for the worst. At the time, I had no idea any of this was happening. The last thing that I remember and still remember now is being sick in my bed at home, 
having a bad headache. On lots of levels, this was far more traumatising for everyone around me, for my parents, for my sisters, for my friends. They had to watch me go through this, not knowing whether I was going to wake up again. However, after what must have been a long week for everyone at my bedside, they began to bring me out of the coma. I had responded to the treatment and the swelling in my brain was beginning to go down. I was alive and I had all of my limbs. I was lucky. A statement that I would hear countless times over the years, as my identity had now shifted to the girl who survived meningitis girl who was lucky to be alive. The only issue was that this wasn't how I felt. Ironically, when I was researching um, that it was Mental Health Week, Awareness Week, I discovered that it is also Meningitis Awareness Week. Last week and coming into this week to up until Tuesday. Now the two overlap and just as they have done so in my own life. I was lucky The boy to one side of me in intensive care lost both of his legs and the baby on the other side of me didn't survive. Whilst I didn't die, something inside me had. Something had shifted. I I didn't realise it at the time. I was too young to comprehend this, you know, massive trauma that had happened to me. I didn't have the self-awareness back then that I do now. It has taken me... It took me years to develop it. I had lost the trust in life and in doing so on some level the joy, the ability to be joyful. Coming so close to death at such a young age sent me into an existential crisis. My thoughts were that I could have died and I wouldn't have been any the wiser. I wouldn't have known. If life is so fragile and you can just disappear without knowing then what is the point of it at all? Every time someone told me, wow, aren't you lucky? I smiled and nodded, but in my head I thought, why didn't I die? And without me noticing it at the time, that then turned into, I wish I had died. This was the beginning of my spiral into mental illness. I was 13 with a predisposition to err on the anxious side. My hormones were going wild as I had just reached puberty and I had just suffered a huge trauma to the brain and emotionally it was a huge trauma. But I was too young to realise this, shrugging my poor mum's desperate attempts to get me to go to counselling off with statements like, I'm fine, why would I even care? I know a lot of you will relate to the fact that if I had just listened to my mum then things would have been a hell of a lot easier for me because she was right. She could see that something had shifted in me in a way that no one else could. But of course, I didn't because I was a teenager and I knew better than my mum. Of course I did. Something that I think epitomises the issues that young girls have around body image from this time in my life is that one of the first memories I have when I was regaining consciousness after being in the coma is thinking to myself, oh, I hope this means I've lost weight. And, ooh, maybe my mum will let me get my second piercing on my ear now as a treat. That is so sad to me now, realising that, that the first thought 
of me coming out from this near-death experience was me hoping that two weeks in a coma and the brink of death would act as an effective diet. Slowly, my life got back to normal, but I was never the same. My mindset had shifted from a positive one to a negative one. At 14, I then got into a very unhealthy and emotionally abusive relationship that would span my entire time until I left school at 18. And over the next four years, I developed bulimia. I self-harmed a lot. I used to cut myself. And I found drugs as a way to try and escape all the pain and inner turmoil I was suffering. As so many people do... I blamed external factors, like the relationship I was in, like being at school, uh, my age, all those things were the reason why I was unhappy. Rather than understanding that it was my lack of confidence and self-worth that stopped me walking away from the boy causing me this much pain, and that it was my negative thoughts that were causing me to feel so down and fearful. In my head, I was always waiting for the thing to make me happy. When I broke up with said boyfriend, then I'd be happy. I wasn't. When I left school, I'd be happy. I wasn't. When I went travelling on my gap year, I'd then be happy. That was the thing that was going to solve all my problems. I did it, and I wasn't. So the next thing, the big thing that had always been there, that was when I went to uni, I'd be happy. And shock horror, I wasn't. In fact, my three years at university in Newcastle saw me spiral into new lows, culminating in me almost failing my degree. The realisation hit me like a tonne of bricks. This one thing that I truly believed was going to make me whole, happy and become the successful creative I had planned and wanted for myself was over. And I had got a rubbish mark. I had no prospects for the future and I was utterly miserable. It was at this point that I hit rock bottom and I had a breakdown. I was lucky that my parents supported me and I moved back in with them. As I saw it, I had one of three options. End it all and kill myself as I had been plotting to do so for years. Or number two, carry on as I was and probably end up a drug addict on the street, having eventually lost the support of my family and friends. Or thirdly, do everything in my power to sort my head out once and for all. Now, those first two were never really options. Whatever the voices in my head told me, my love for my family always triumphed those desires and fueled my desire to overcome everything I was going through. I was now ready to change because the pros to do so outweighed the cons. But it had taken me to hit the lowest of the lows, the absolute rock bottom, and then lower again, to go lower than I thought possible to get to this point. I sit here today as someone who hasn't suffered from mental illness for the past five years. But I am someone who works on their mental health every single day. The two are very different and I want to point that out. We all have mental health just as we have physical health and when we don't look after it we have a much higher risk of getting mentally ill. 
Practices that look after your mental health are preventative measures and so important for everybody. It doesn't matter who you are, your background, what you do, what your physical health is like. We all need to look after our mental health. Over recent years, I have developed my own strategies, my own toolbox that keeps my head on track. It doesn't mean that I don't have days when I struggle and I feel down or more anxious. That is normal and that is part of being human. Over the past couple of months, especially, I have felt a little bit more anxious than I have done in the last few years. So I have been doing more of the things that keep me on track. I now have that level of self-awareness that I was lacking when I was younger and in the grips of my illnesses. The things that help me are often non-negotiable parts of my routine and they are meditating, which brings brings space between the real me and my anxious thoughts. Otherwise, it's so easy to just get caught up in them and believing them again. I use affirmations, which is where I'm implanting positive statements into my subconscious and make, to make me feel calm and safe. Also, breathing exercises are a huge part of what I do and what I are a huge pillar of my coaching programs that I guide through clients. I cannot recommend it enough. If you're someone that suffers from anxiety and especially panic attacks, then practicing breath work is transformative your breath is the most powerful tool to help you relax it's something i teach on all of my programs because if you're not breathing properly it is gonna be massively impacting your state of mind one of the biggest transformational practices for me has been yoga and how this has helped me embody all the progress i've made in my mind and transform the relationship i have had with this wonderful fleshy home that i have I used to hate my body and thoughts of being skinny and how I could not eat consumed my mind entirely. I was a teenager in the time of size zero fashion. Now the fashionable body type is different with big bums and muscular physique being the more more desirable. Now this is the whole issue to me, the fact that there are trends with the way we look. Now, jewellery, clothes, hair, their fashion accessories, our bodies are our home. They do incredible things every second of every day that keep us alive, that keep us creating, that keep us moving. They are not fashion accessories. In the last year, I have become hyper aware of how much we talk about our bodies, especially as women. Good and bad, I'm talking about here constantly focus on what we don't like and what we want to change there is the body positivity movement that is a massive improvement but in my opinion it doesn't solve the problem sharing and pointing out our flaws and vocalizing that we're okay with them still exacerbates this comparison culture the issue to in my opinion is putting any focus on the way we look full stop now i admit that I don't love everything about the way my body looks but I do love what it does for me and that is what I have made the conscious decision to focus on. I focus on the functions of my body and, and want it to be able to do its thing, its jobs in the best possible way. I focus on feeling good 
not looking good. I want my body to feel healthy, to feel strong, to feel energized. I'm concerned about what my body does, not what my body looks like. And that has been a process to get me better, to get me to this point. But this is where this practice and this movement of body neutrality has been really useful for me. You might have already heard of this or you might not. What being body neutral means is that rather than seeing your body as good or bad, you see it as a vehicle that carries you through life and enables you to experience it. It's your body that allows you to experience holding hands and hugging your loved ones, traveling and seeing new places, and do all the things that bring you joy. Now that is what makes our bodies beautiful. When we shift into this more neutral state, It means we have more time and mental capacity to focus on the important things in life rather than being consumed with comparison or how you're going to get that bikini body in three weeks before your holiday. By bringing more joy and focus into our lives like this, we can transform our body image and improve our overall mental health. Now, if you want to start being more body neutral, the first thing you need to do is to become more aware of your conversations and choose whether or not to engage with ones around body image. You need to start engaging with them less. In a society that is obsessed with appearance, this can be hard. We are constantly either being complimented or criticised about the way we look. Maybe someone tells you that you look like you've lost weight or that you look great, or when you ask your friends whether you look fat in these new jeans. The issue is putting emphasis on the way we look, good or bad. So try to engage less with these types of conversations. And notice when you have any self-talk around your appearance, so when you're talking to yourself in this way, because this usually tends to be where we're really negative. When you find yourself having thoughts like, I look gross or I'm so fat, try to shift to a more neutral position by focusing on the strength and the power of your body, how your legs carry and enable you to move, or how your eyes let you see that beautiful view and read your favourite book. I've been making a conscious effort to do this over the last few months and at times it's been difficult and I found myself getting caught up in body shaming conversations or overly praising someone on their appearance but I have definitely noticed a shift in my mindset. Quite frankly I find the topic of looks boring now, I don't want to talk about it and although I said I don't love all of my body, I definitely love those parts a lot more now that I am focusing on what they do for me rather than how I or anyone else might see them. I'd like to leave you today with the three main realizations that I wish I'd known when I was a teenager. The first one is that you are not your thoughts. The real you is the viewer of your thoughts so don't believe everything your mind tells you, the good and the bad. The second is only you are in control of your happiness and if you can't find light and joy wherever you are now, when that thing happens, whether it's when you've lost a few pounds or you've got a new partner or you're in a sunnier climate, you won't feel it then either. 
There is no other moment than now. If you don't enjoy it, it will you will end up missing out on your entire life. The third is to come home to your body. Feel it, embrace it, thank it every day for what it does for you. Listen to what it tells you because often the answers show up in your body long before they come to your minds. Thanks so much for tuning in for another episode. As always, if anything has resonated with you today, then please reach out to me. And if you want to know more about how we could work together, then you can read about my Curiosity coaching program in the bio or check out my website, www.catrybarrett.com. And until next time, stay curious.